everybody welcome to the 319th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling live and direct bro um 2k has had a uh double xp weekend and your precious boy has gone to work in that shit man because every game you get rep well this this weekend it was double the rep and double the rep means I woke up at a specific time to play, made sure I ate, and then got right back on to playing. Like uh, our friend Stu was like, "How much work did you see?" I saw you play. I the saw you playing for like thirteen hours. I was like, "Yeah, that's probably about right." In one day, thirteen hours. Um, it was it was getting to the point where I was just so exhausted, but I was still putting up stats. So I was like, "Well, I'm not I'm not washed yet for the night. I might as well just keep going." So it like. 2 30 a.m i'm like well thank god i'm single because none of this shit would be happening if i wasn't <laughs> it's a full-time job my friend it dude I, i'm i'm trying to get to the every season there's a a reward right in this season i get to have an extra like seven badges so i'm like dog i can have all of the playmaking badges hell yeah i'm doing this so it's been it's been a grind, but watching the Blazers has also been a grind. So watching boom. the Blazers has been a chore. Um, it, it's it's kind of interesting to look at it through um, a new lens because when you have a newborn, you really have to prioritize things that make you happy. Like it, it's it's legitimately difficult just to carve out like oh I need to brush my teeth like and make sure you do that just the the little things in life so if the blazers were on let's say at 12 30 today it's like okay let's try and get up a little early let's get our get our walk in and then maybe you'll be able to sit down and catch some before you have to change the baby before you have to uh burp uh feed whatever it's time definitely is of the essence and you have to really want to do something to, to make it work. It's no longer, you're not single. You're, you're not childless. You can't just be like, Oh, game's on. Like I'm planning my entire day around it. You have to plan in advance. And the way this team is performing right now, I don't know if I will be making as many concessions to go out of my way to, to sit down and try and consume as much basketball uh, as I was doing previously, because this team just isn't what they were to start the season, uh, especially to start the new year. They have not, they have not gotten off on the right foot. And since we last recorded, the Blazers drop a tough game in Golden State to round out 2022, losing 118 to 112. They come home. Gary Payton II makes his season debut. They handle the Pistons with ease, 135 to 106. However, they just finished up a winless road trip, uh, dropping winnable games uh, in the fourth quarter against the Timberwolves uh, by seven, the Pacers by nine, and then the latest debacle, a 12-point loss in Toronto to the Raptors, 117 to 105. And for the first time this season, the Trailblazers have dipped below the 500 mark. They are sitting at 19 and 20 on the season. They are three and seven in their last 10. And they are just a half game ahead of the Timberwolves and Lakers 
for a play-in spot in the Western Conference. And Sage, I have to tell you, it seems like they're getting further and further away from that that sixth seed from home court advantage. It looks like right now around the midway point of the season, we're at 39 games. Two more would be uh, the halfway point. It's looking more and more likely that this is a play-in team at best. And that is, I think, pretty disheartening for a team that made some changes in the offseason, got off to that that 10 and 4 start, but since that 10 and 4 start, the Blazers are just 9 and 16. And to put that into perspective, that is a 36% winning percentage. If they were to play that over the course of an entire 82 game season, that's a 29 and a half win pace. And you can say, well, Dustin, Damian Lillard's been injured. Well, since Dame has returned in early December, the team is under 500 as well. So they've been fully healthy for a 16-game stretch, and they have been 7-9 and nine over that stretch, just a 43% win percentage, and again, a 36-win pace over 82. So that's a large enough sample size for me. Um, I don't know about you, but this was, I think, a telling road trip and uh, we will preview some upcoming games, but I think this is Portland's last chance with a, a home heavy slate coming up uh, to round out the month. But a really rough road trip. They haven't been that great on their home court, too. No, so they're it's just like- nine and six at home. They they have struggled mightily at home. Um, a, a lot of things that, that I have noticed and it's. It's pretty uh, glaring if if I'm able to notice it because I'm, you know, again, watching bits and pieces, watching highlights. So most of the time I listen to the game and I have the game on my phone. So I'm able to kind of do a little bit of both. Um, the, the, The things that stand out to me most are the turnovers and the inability to close out games. They have had a ton of games within their grasp and they just do not know how to execute. Uh, I don't think the finishing five meshes well with one another. I don't think the coaching staff understands time score rotations. They they just say, oh, you started the game, so we're going to put you out there to finish the game. And it just doesn't seem like they're able. They're, they're very impatient on the offensive end of the floor. I noticed that a lot in the Indiana game, uh, that first Oklahoma City game when Dame was going for the record. They love just pulling up for that quick three. They want to get it all back at once, and they don't execute just routine offensive sets to to bend the defense. And I think what's worrisome, if you're a a fan looking to make a playoff run, they're not losing to really good team stage. Those, those losses that, that that I mentioned, none of those teams is is a quality team, especially the warriors without Stephen Curry. Yeah. I know they're good at home, but, and and, so they're they're missing two all-stars and you still were not able to close out a game. Uh, the stretch in Indiana might be the low point of the season. Out getting outscored 15 to two over the last seven minutes. Um, just a really rough patch right now in Rip City. Just think about it too. Tyrese Halliburton was really, really off that game, and they still were able to manufacture that big ass run. Like the, the the defense is just being such a sieve defensively that even if we were shooting and scoring at a high percentage. We have to match the what we're giving up to even have a chance. And putting that much pressure on your offense is pretty it's pretty tough. And like the opposing defense is going to be almost always set up to stop us. Like 
we're not we're a, we're a very slow team in terms of pace so we might be getting those points off uh, off of fast breaks and stuff but really we're an inefficient slow team so teams are going to be set up more so than let's just say that we were the 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 hornets at least the hornets will push him and make that defense a little bit uh tilted so well, you mentioned the 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 defense and i i think the offense has been a, a byproduct of a poor defense. When you mm-hmm. look at all of the turnovers, you know, right now Portland ranks 25th in, in turnovers per game at nearly 16. Going through the games that, that we just listed, 14 against the Warriors. That was the only game this stretch where they were under that season average. Every other game they were, they far exceeded that average. Even in that victory over the Pistons, 18 turnovers, 16 against the Wolves, 18 against the Pacers, and 22 this afternoon against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Teams have scored 18.2 points off of those turnovers. That puts Portland in the bottom third of the league. So not only is Portland not a strong defensive team from a roster construction and a uh, schematic standpoint, they're also doing themselves a disservice mm-hmm. offensively mm-hmm. and just giving the team free free points on that end. So it's almost an impossible equation to to solve right now for the Blazers. Yeah, it, it's putting that margin for error that we give ourselves having Damian Lillard and Anthony and Jeremy Grant in like it's putting so much pressure on our four usage guys to to be good. But we're giving ourselves like a 20 point hole in some games. So we have to master that. And it seems like teams are just like scoring a a lot in bunches. Like it's a 24 to four run at 18 to five run. Like we can fight ourselves out of that, but then we just give it up. If we start to, if, if they start to score again, it's going to be a long run of just Raptor scoring or whoever's we're playing. It, it, it's been a lot of scoring in bunches. And I know I mean, it's a game of runs. The, the runs Portland starts out that Indiana game 10. Oh, mm-hmm. they give it right back. I mean, a, a good team is able to take that momentum. And I get it. 10 points in the modern NBA is like two possessions game over. There still should be some, there's still a, some, some, I think notion that going up 10, Oh, you should be able to start to in, in, instill your will on an opponent, start to do the things that you want to do, but to give it up just like that. I think it's just a byproduct of this team lacking common basketball fundamentals and principles and a a killer instinct. I think that that grit and that scrap we saw for that 10, 10 and four record to start the season, it's kind of gone. I just, I'm not saying they're not trying hard. I definitely think they are, but I just don't think they're that extra. They're, they're missing something. Definitely. And I I can't put my finger on it. Um, But I think that's leading to a lot of those runs that, that you were talking about. Everything was basically the same. Everything was static between the offense, the rebounding, assists. The one humongous thing was the defense went from like respectable to this is you got to be joking us. So it's I mean, it, it has to start there. If everything else is static and the one thing that's that has regressed is your defense. I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist, but the one statistic that's falling is defense. It's probably it should start there. And, you know, relying on Dame. I feel like with this drought that we're going through, the wind drought, Damian Lillard has taken it upon himself to play way more aggressively. And I think that, sure, if the shot is falling, that's great. But I think it's really negatively affecting Jeremy Grant because the shots, for one, are way more contested now than they were in the past. 
And then now Nurk is establishing himself of getting high rebound totals and getting points and like every everything that's good that's happening with you know the other players is negatively fle- affecting Jeremy Grant because the the spacing is a lot worse now. So instead of the open three, the open catch and shoot three, it's a contested catch and th- shoot three, and he's still shooting well. But eventually, it's going to get worse and worse and worse until we figure out how to make our defense better. And then I think that would make our offense a little bit better, but I'm kind of worrying about, he has to be so, he has to be so razor precision with all of his stuff offensively to really make that impact because he's getting less shots and the shots are worse. I'm starting to wonder when the, the turning point will be for him just to, to regress because he's it, it, everything's going to be too hard offensively. And he's playing like 38 minutes a game in a competitive game. Yeah, I, I was th- thinking that as well, um, because statistically, Dame is having a fabulous season, you know, 20, 27 points, nearing eight, 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 nine assists per game. However, I, I feel like the eye test is telling me it's just not the same Damian Lillard that we're used to in the bubble in the Western Conference finals run. Uh, even the 2021 season where he put up, you know, a double nickel in the playoffs uh, against the Denver Nuggets. And when the Blazers as an organization, whether it's Terry Stotts or Chauncey Billups, they've built this structure around Damian Lillard just saving our ass. When he starts to decrease from his peak, which I think he has just slightly, you're going to start to see certain things where the game in Minnesota wide open three end of the game just it doesn't drop and i'm not blaming damien lillard for for the losses but when your margin is damien lillard being god mode and he's just not god mode anymore he's just really freaking good it's it's not going to be good enough to get you over the hump like we always used to say like sometimes the blazers won just because we have damien lillard and you didn't i'm starting to feel like that's that's just not enough for for this team for this scheme uh to get it done the amount of turnovers might have been because the interior of the knowledge of gary trent jr being like hey this is what damian lillard likes to do he likes to penetrate and kick well let's make sure that there's a wall of defenders on these these plays but i i think that i think his usage just has to go down like we were watching 99th percentile dame now we might be watching 90th that there's he's still awesome it's just that that little bit of extra everything might not come as often. It, it might be a little more infrequent where, you know, he's going to have like eight games of 40 points in a row, but he also might have some games where he's really inefficient. So I, I, I think that we have to find a way to, to empower Jeremy Grant while still being respectful of Damian Lillard and the things that he's done, but get, Get Yusuf, get Yusuf Nurkic more involved, get Ant more involved, get Jeremy more involved, Shaden, like anybody that has the ability to set people up, maybe it's time to cut that usage down because he's like playing like prime Luca or James Harden levels of the ball is in his hands this much. We need to find a way to, to lessen the load a little bit. Like there, there's a reason that like LeBron has age so excellently like they've taken less responsibility for these meaningless games in january 10th like you know what i mean like they're, they're finding ways to still get him involved but not like to the point where he's you know redlining every game i think dame's redlining every game like there's there's I think the i think the fatigue is also impacting oh, his long yeah. range accuracy uh you know we hear all all of the time 
you know, what's what's wrong with Dame's three point shot, you know, over this this week and a half that that we are, are discussing 13 of 45 from downtown, 29 percent. That That is not the Damian Lillard that you're expecting, uh, especially taking a volume amount of, of shots, shots that tended to go in in the past. But I think you can pinpoint it. It, it all comes down to the fatigue. He's taking on a larger role. He looks he's exhausted getting, a, a lot of the, game. the rim. He is. He does look exhausted. We, we talked about this ad nauseum, you know, coming off of a major injury. He's been injured twice this year, yet the coaching staff and Chauncey Billups in particular continue to trot him out there for 37 to 40 minutes a night with complete disregard for his health because they have a short-term mindset that they have to win games in December for it to matter uh, this playoff, next playoff, you know, and, and down the line. And it's just asinine that 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 is the approach that this organization is taking because now you're starting to to see what happens when you run a Damian Lillard who is in his 10th or 11th season they're they're running him into the ground I mean let's let's be perfectly Mm. honest with what's happening there I mean eventually those little injuries are going to turn into bigger injuries because it's been in the same area of his body so you know, the one game Gary Payton came back, I felt like the rotations were actually decent. It but, was wonderful. Yeah. Like the best thing about GP2 coming back is they staggered Dame and Anthony. Like yeah. that, it, it was beautiful to watch. They actually had some size and defense on there. Okay, I got to ask, do you think Gary Payton II and Josh Hart are eerily similar as basketball players? That's a tough, I, I see where you're coming from. With that, I just think what GP2 get, I just think GP2 is a more complete player. And, and I mean that in the sense that he's a better defender. I mean, we saw when he came back, he was already breaking up pick and rolls, leading to outlet dunks by Shaden. He's a better passer. I mean, the lob pass again to Shaden, like that's out of Josh Hart's wheelhouse. I think Josh Hart is a three and D player who is hesitant to shoot the three. I think Gary Payton is basically a souped up. Justice Winslow. Like I would he, say he's a souped up Josh, but I don't Josh know. Like Hart's I, I see the to shoot the basketball just has him in a. He is totally. one of the most com, complex, confounding, confusing players that I can recall watching in a Blazer uniform in a long time. Especially considering how active and aggressive and assertive he was last season in Portland. I get it; the roles have changed, but he has just gone a complete 180 and his inability to really shoot the basketball. Like even GP two, he missed the whole season first shot wide open corner three. It goes in like he's willing to shoot the basketball. So that that's hard. I think he's a better player, no doubt than Josh Hart, but it's really hard to compare them when one's willing to shoot and one's not. Yeah, And uh, I know one game, but it's just like, okay, he's willing to shoot like that. That has just so much, more than what Josh can do because he his in he he doesn't want to shoot he doesn't trust it for whatever reason right so he doesn't shoot and he tries to make up for it with drives to the hoop and a lot of his drives to the hoop have like three dudes standing right in the paint so Gary Payton like I I saw I saw the defense like the the intensity in which he played defense was great but then I saw the lazy passes which I've seen Josh Hart do I've seen the 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 aggression to get rebounds that probably already would be in our possession. Um, 
I don't. I think Justice Winslow is way more a way better dribbler than than either GP or or Josh and his playmaking. And I'm talking about Justice, and I'm about to say nice things about Justice. Um, his playmaking it's so different than those other two. I think both of them, Gary and uh, Josh, are limited in that factor of playmaking. Like they can do like the base reads that shit i don't think anthony simons can do but they at least they they don't have any creativity to their passes and flair i'm just as gonna find them so i don't know i think that we have a lot of the similar archetype of of builds like it's three dudes that are defenses quote-unquote defensive specialists that are afraid that aren't the best shooters so so two things is is Gary Payton the second enough to get Portland over this no. this rut that they're in? No. Okay. Is he ever going to be healthy? Like, what's what's what to me? What is going on? Like, you miss the entire season. You come back in the new year, and then an ankle injury has now side sidelined you for this entire road trip. Like, at what point are we just going to shut him down? I mean, I, I, I'm. If I we keep know. losing, it's probably responsible to shut him down. I mean, That's really, it, it, it. What's more important, his long-term health? Because we signed him for two more years after this as a three-year MLE deal, so we have a, we have him for two more years. What's what's? Wouldn't it be cool to see what Keon can do with more time? Wouldn't it be cool to see what Shaden can do with more time? Like. We have some young guys that could we could use to develop. If he's has the a difficulty of staying healthy, might as well just bro, focus on you, get your health right a hundred percent. Cause I don't think he played I don't think he was a hundred percent when he played. And of course, like he's only played one game, like one game of like, you know, 20 minutes, let's say. He's gonna be rusty coming back, so it's gonna result in more losses. Might as well get him 100% healthy, get him on the, uh, like have an off season with him where he can actually move and play and get Shaden and Keon those minutes. I know it may be early and I didn't ever want to bring this up prior to the, the trade deadline, but now that Dame has got the, the secured himself, the, the scoring record in Portland, if this season continues on this path, is do you think both parties now open up to uh, a new destination or do you think it's they're just gonna both loyally stick it out and neither wants to, to blink first and, and make that is this gonna be a kevin garnett situation where like i mean it, I, I i think we're, we're already in the kg situation if, if you want to be be real with it i i mean i think everything after that denver series has kind of been prolonging um the inevitable in my mind and don't get me wrong i i would love to win with dame but when you factor in the lack of assets dame regressing a, a little bit and the the team just not really having the necessary ingredients right now to compete like this this team has no chance at competing with milwaukee or boston right now like there's just there, there's no way they're more than one player away they need a new coach for 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 pete's sake so Again, I don't want I know Blazer fans are sick of this discussion, but I think it is something to at least keep in the back of your mind because, you know, Dame, I I think 
individual accolades don't matter to to Damian Lillard. However, I, I do think it was important for him to kind of cement himself. Like I have scored the most in this franchise's history. I've done everything I could. Uh, he's going to be 33 years old. Like I, I know it's crazy to think, but time flies. Like this isn't 2015, 2016 anymore. Like he's he's. I would trade him for the right man. package. I would trade him for the right, right pack. I would trade him for the right package. And I, again, I don't even know if the right package exists when you factor in the contract, when you factor in, you know, what what team is looking for a point guard like it's this I, late I, into the year, too. Yeah. You, you never want to do something at the trade deadline. I feel like you always get less value at the deadline. Um, it was just more of a like, I don't know if Dane can stomach another season like last year. Sad. Like he's trying so hard and we're losing. Yeah. It just it. it it, it's difficult because, like I said, I don't think either side wants to blink first. Dame is incredibly loyal. He, I truly believe he loves it here and wants to retire mm-hmm. here. And I know he doesn't want to play losing basketball, though. Uh, and you know the organization. They don't want to be the ones to say, hey, we traded away arguably the we, – no, we did trade away the, the greatest ambassador for this franchise. Like You can argue greatest trailblazer, but greatest ambassador is Damian Lillard, hands down. They don't want to be the ones to initiate that conversation and say, hey, we shipped him out of town. Like he's still at the moment bringing in fans to that arena. With the ownership so much in limbo and the unreal tank job they did last year, I don't know if they have the the stomach to go through that again. It, It may be necessary for a long term success, but as we know, this is a short term game for a lot of parties involved. So, again, it's just something to think about. I still don't like the Dame and Anthony pairing. I didn't like it from when they wanted to do it uh, um, in the summer. I I gave it a chance. It just it hasn't grown on me. I think it's Dame CJ in just different packaging. Mm. Uh, Would you trade Jeremy Grant if we found the deal for Dame? Would you then trade Jeremy Grant? Because you definitely can get more. Yes, you have to blow it up. Yeah. You keep Shaden, and I do think you probably keep Ant because you need you need the young talent. Like, yeah. if you're going to trade Dame, you got to trade Jeremy. You got to trade Josh, and that's that's another does thing. Nurk, that, does Nurk go too? If he, wants, I don't think I we would, get. I would much. assume he would want to go. He's so close with Dame. Yeah, I would keep him. Um, I think he's still young. I think you need some veteran presence on him. I don't think you can just go full youth movement. Like, I think it's good to have. Jabari and Shaden and and all of those young players that have and I think I think Shaden and Nurk have something connection wise because you they actually a, a he, he looks passer. yeah absolutely so again it really sucks that we're discussing this in early January but I don't think the Blazers have given us much choice and the the clock is ticking I think right now for for Joe Cronin and staff because the Blazers I believe play ten of their next eleven games at home basically rounding out the month of January and they have two major expiring contracts. That they need to make a decision on Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant. If you come out of this four and seven, five and six, I mean, I think they need to really look hard in the mirror because it's only going to get more difficult with, with road trips to, to close out the season. I mean, the end of the April schedule is just a, a gauntlet they're going to have to make some decisions and you don't want to be left at the altar like you were with LaMarcus Aldridge in the summer of, of 2015. So um, again, it sucks that we're having to discuss this, but Portland being sub 500 since Dame's return, 
and so poor since that hot start that you know you you have to start looking at what's best for the franchise and you know i'll, I'll be honest age like i don't want a play-in spot like if we're fighting to get to the sixth seed yeah l- let's go let's let's win let's get these games mm-hmm. a play-in spot does absolutely nothing for me give me a a one to four percent chance at getting victor Wembanyama. like mm-hmm. give me that even having another lottery pick Huge. If you want to give it another go next season, that lottery pick will get you somewhere. But you can't let Chicago get a f- number 15, 16, or 17 pick because you just squeaked into the playoffs. Like we saw they did that with Houston. They traded that pick and another one for Robert Covington. Like those were really important assets. And you you have to really decide, like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is getting two home playoff games worth a lottery pick? I, I don't think so. I don't think Portland could beat New Orleans uh, or Denver right now in a playoff series. I don't think they could beat a healthy Golden State or Phoenix. But that's yeah, just me. And, and like we, we we've talked about this for a long time. Like these young players are getting better and better every year. They're they're learning the game. They're built for the future of the NBA. I honestly don't think that we have that many guys that are like Jeremy, Dame, Ant. Are there any guys that are built for now and in the future? Like, if we can get guys that are can play today and in the future, like, I don't know, man. There, there's some really good players in 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 college and in the G League and in Europe and wherever. Like, having a a chance at Wembenyano or Scoot or you know picking at 13 and getting Terrence and then Junior. I mean, the draft is is getting better and better each year. You're finding gems later and later in the in the first round. The key is having that opportunity to make that selection, um, even just having a pick. Mm-hmm. And Portland has right now would have no picks in the 2023 NBA draft. And it is important to have draft picks because you get players like Shaden Sharp and one player I want to discuss, Jabari Walker, who has kind of carved out a rotation spot uh, in the second unit and. I have really been impressed with his rebounding, his activity, and overall his mobility. I think he's gotten a little bit quicker as as the season. I mean, just really looking at him from summer league to now, he just looks a, a half a step faster. And I think getting him as much run as possible, like you need those six nine players off the bench who can play multiple positions, who can do the dirty work. Like I remember talking about him. After we had acquired him, he reminded me of a modern day Chuck Hayes Mm -hmm. and Chuck Hayes for Houston was taller too. Yeah. Was just a really garbage pail type player, played great defense, got the boards and just did the little things. Jabari can do that. And he's quicker. He's taller and he has better range. Like, do you think, do you you think his floor is better than uh, than, than Trendon? Because his ceiling's much higher. I mean, I think their floors are pretty similar right now, right? And Trendon's like th- th- older, so yeah, I I think that him being our our, our uh, fourth big, it, it it's good. Like Watford has some skill sets that are very very cool to have, but we need a guys that I I think that the thing that impresses me the most about him is his p- positionality. Like he knows where the ball's going off the like when it misses, he knows where to be. And that instinctive knowledge is really helpful, especially since we're so god awful at rebounding. To have a guy that is instinctive of 
this is what I need to do. I'm going to do it. Really important. And getting him at 58 is crazy. He is a high IQ player. Um, incredible performance against Indiana, like super effective and efficient. He only played 15 minutes in that, that Pacers game. Yet he's putting up 11 points on five of seven shooting and grabbed six rebounds. He grabbed six boards in 15 minutes of action. And my biggest issue was he was nowhere to be found when the game was on the line. The bench got Portland that lead. Chauncey goes back to the starters because that's what he does. And Portland just loses the lead in a massive collapse. Are is it is it fair to say that Billups would be on the hot seat? Yeah, I honestly think his coach, like, one thing about, like, coaches, and I'm seeing this with Sean Payton, is that the staff, you have to have a good staff. I don't think that he has a good staff around him, and he's a first-time coach. So he hires, uh, shit, Scotty Brooks, the one of the worst offensive guys his, ever. His brother? Yeah, like, it just seems like it's bad mistake after bad mistake after bad mistake. And, like, Roy Rod- like we were taught- told that Roy Rodgers is a really good defensive mind. He might be, but we don't have the – we have don't have the track record of it in this team. And then when he was on the Clippers, he had all the toys in the world he could th- use to play with and make really good schemes. Like, he had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Well, there ain't none of that here. And he hasn't been able to develop a scheme where we're not fucking god-awful. I thought since we're recording at 4 p.m., I wouldn't cuss as much. And that's definitely not true. But yeah, it's tough out there, bro. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he the seat has to be warm because this is a better roster than last year. He doesn't have the excuse of the injuries. And a lot of people forget, even with a healthy roster last year, the team was still underperforming. Mm-hmm. So this is still year two of subpar basketball. The same mistake after the same mistake, hoarding challenges. Uh, not spending them when when needed. Uh, the, the rotations have been poor. Just the lack of in-game adjustment, adjustments. The, the after timeout plays have just been so lackluster. He, I mean, I, I go back and I watch a lot of Shade and Sharp highlights because that's the guy I'm following. And you look at the ease at which he's scoring without an isolation game to speak of. Like, I think he could be a 15-point-per-game scorer just off of offensive rebounds, cuts, and alley-oop passes. Mm-hmm. Yet there's just no, there's no set plays for him or even Anthony Simons. It's it's the same isolation, hot potato basketball. Like there's just no real schematics that that are being ran out there, and it's kind of baffling that they're just kind of. It looks like they're playing rec ball for for a lot of it. Are we the do we have the worst coaching staff in the league? We're at least I, five. I, I can't answer that question yeah. because I don't watch other teams play at at the at the pace that that you do. Okay, yeah, I, th- I think they're top five, bottom five, bad. Top five, bottom five, bad. There we go. But no, I, th- I think that there's just. I mean, not everybody can be Greg Popovich, but he still makes mistakes. Like we're humans, and this is a game where there's ten humans on the court. There's obviously going to be mistakes. But I think his are just the level of bad that he makes just outshines others. Like, you know, like we played Nick Nurse, who I think is one of the as a coach disregarding his awful rotations. He's really good. There's no way that Chauncey's going to get to that level or, you know, like even bottom end coaches. He's he's not he's not there yet. And 
I don't think that this is a good place for him to be. Like, we don't have the toys that he wants. Like, I bet he'd love to be on the Clippers staff again. You've all the the most talent in the league, and you can do whatever you want. This is you have to actually be smart and you know learn how to tinker with lineups and rotations and all that, and not play your guys forty plus minutes in a you know a non competitive game. All right, let's look at the road ahead for the Blazers uh, to uh, look at the standings right now for our predictions. Um, I am sitting at 26 and 13 and you are at 24 and 15. Yeah, I believed in this team and that you really went for me. A, an a undefeated road trip. Uh, and I, I, I thought they would beat the Wolves but lose to the Pacers and Raptors. And I also picked up that Warriors game on you. Uh, but we do have four games this week uh, all at home. Uh, the Blazers take on the Magic on the 10th. The 12th, they face the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then they have a home-and-home back-to-back against Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks on the 14th and 15th. Uh, let's Yuck. let's get right into this uh, quickly. Orlando they did just beat the Golden State Warriors in Golden State. They have got length for days. Uh, mm-hmm. The rookie of the year is on this team, Paolo Bancaro. Uh, they're getting good production for Franz Wagner. Uh, Bol Bol, when he's healthy, has actually been a revelation. Mm-hmm. How does Portland deal with a youthful team but has just size for days? And Jalen Suggs is going to be back, too. So a pretty good defender to, for Dame or Ant. They have Cole Anthony. But I, I mean, love, those two wings that you mentioned first, like this is what basketball is going to be in the future. Just six ten dudes that with guard skills that can play make and, you know, make other players better. So I, I, I truly don't know what we do with the wings of Orlando, but it's going to be hard for me. Like Orlando's not a good team and we have way more talent. It's just we don't have the height and, you know, Wendell Carter's coming back from injury. Like they have a really they have like a cavalcade of just really NBA quality players. Like John Isaac hasn't played. Chuma Kiki's not in the rotation. They have they, they have wings that we, we would give 30 plus minutes to, I think just chilling on the bench. But I think that just play, pure talent wise, we win because Damon Ant, like I, I, I think the real issue with them is their guard play isn't always consistent. So I think Dame probably has one of his 50-point bombs, and we win based on Damian Lillard and probably Yusuf Nurkic. I have the Blazers winning because it's a schedule loss for the Orlando Magic. The Magic have to play in Sacramento the night before. Um, We get them on the back-to-back. I know it's the first game back from a road trip in Portland. You would have to think Portland at least show some fire after coming off of an 0-3 road trip. They're still playing... Um, in not inspired, they're still trying hard, and that that was evident in the Detroit game where they could have easily saw a wounded opponent and and kind of played with their food a bit. No, mm-hmm. they they handled their business. I think they they do the same as well. I don't think we're in the point of the season where it's they're giving up completely. Uh, I think there's still a lot of pride on this roster, and I think that will be enough. Bobol has also been placed in health and safety protocol, so he may not be available. Um, I, I think it has to be a game for Jeremy Grant. Like he needs to take the young Franz Wagner and they need to find opportunities for him, him to score. And then maybe attack Paulo, make him move his feet. I mean, 
offensively that team's great, but right now with the injuries they have, they they're they're trying to outscore people. They're not trying to clamp you up and you know make life. It's going to be one of those track meet games where it's just a lot of scoring. Up next is the Cleveland Cavaliers, fourth in the Eastern Conference, twenty-five and fifteen. Uh, earlier this month, Donovan Mitchell had a franchise record seventy-one point performance. Um, another team that really, on paper, stylistically, is going to give Portland fits with their the the length and the size they have up front with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, Caleb um, off the bench, Kevin Love off the bench, Darius Garland. I mean, obviously Donovan. I don't know who's going to guard Donovan Mitchell. Garland uh, had a thumb issue, so he, he's been hurt. he is quite he was questionable for Sunday's game. So I, you would think, and it's not a leg, so he's probably going to play his normal rotation minutes. And then Donovan was was a uh, it was a rest day. Yes, Donovan Mitchell. Like I, I know, fantasy isn't the best way to like talk about how great a game he had was, but he put up like prime Hakeem Olajuwon numbers with his fantasy, like where Hakeem would get like 10 block games. Like that's how good Donovan Mitchell was in that, in that game where he was just doing everything and anything for that team. So that we're going to lose the Blazers lost by 18. The last time these two teams uh, played one another, Uh, Jared Allen was a monster. Darius Garland was a monster, but it was Donovan with 34, like those three combined for damn near 90 points. Yeah, no, we're going to lose. And that was with, yeah, and that was with Lamar Stevens starting for them at the small forward. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't see a way in which Portland beats Cleveland. It's, a, it's another team that just gives them them fits. Uh, unless Dame or Anthony just get incredibly hot from downtown, I don't think there's going to be any paint production for, for this team. No, they're like the, they're, <laughs> they're kind of built to fuck us up. They're really just perfectly built to fuck us up. And now we have two games against the Mavericks. Again, if you just predict one win, it's, it doesn't matter which which game it comes in or uh, both losses, both wins. But it is a, a team that has just given the Blazers an absolute fit this season. Uh, they've already played twice in Dallas, losing by five on November 12th. Uh, a game in which Luka Doncic, I think, had a 40-point triple-double. Yes, he did. And then they actually got the, just the break speed off of them. Uh, last month on the 16th, losing 130 to 110. Um, that was the Christian Wood performance where he went uh, off 32 points in just 29 minutes. Uh, Luca again, 33, 9, and 6. We've, we discussed this on a, a couple episodes back. Portland has no idea how to defend superstar generational players like Jokic, Luca. Uh, Giannis, like there, there's just they have no answer. They, they kind of, and I think you you summarized it really well. They kind of take a half step in to to uh, to go double, but but then they 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 don't fully commit, and it lets Luca go, and it also allows their man to be open for three. So it's either stay home on the shooters like a Spencer Dinwiddie who gave Portland fits in that that first contest, or Hardaway or Jr. commit to just making sure Luca doesn't beat you. Uh, I'll be interested to see what this will be the most interesting, I think, uh, game of the week, because you're playing a team almost in a playoff setting. It's back to back. It's at home. It's like a game one or a game two. What adjustments are going to be made? Like what what does Dallas do in game one that Portland is going to adjust in, in game two? Because 
that will tell me a lot about this staff because you could always say, oh, it's a long season. Like you don't have time to prep for an opponent. You don't get a lot of practice time. Well, you literally are playing the same team 24 hours uh, apart. Mm -hmm. So are you able to come up with any sort of uh, adjustments? What does Portland do, Sage, in these? Because I I think Dallas is one of the most difficult teams for them to match up with in the Western Conference. Definitely. I mean, Luka Doncic and Christian Wood, like, I feel like the way to really test Christian Wood is see if that jumper is good. Because if the jumper is off, he's pretty defendable. But the reason that he had such an amazing game that he had like four straight three pointers and the volume of like making threes made it forced us to do something. So I, I, I'm, I think you just defend Seawood, you defend Tim Hardaway, you defend uh, Spencer and Luke is probably going to have 60 points, but at least don't let the, the, the band of brothers dominate us too. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of half stepping with this team, especially with like making adjustments. So I think that uh, we lose both games, bro. I was gonna say that too. I don't mean to. Damn, not, we're. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean to try and like get get a game on you here or there in the prediction standings. But even before this, I was like, yeah, I think we lose both. It's just not a matchup that I am confident in predicting victories with with Portland. Um, and if that happens, then then I think you start to really sense a panic around the the organization. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, we need we need some sort of shakeup to either destroy this what we built or to enforce it. Status quo really isn't an option. doing anything for us. It's a new oh. cast of characters outside of Dame and Nurkic and Anthony, but it's. It's the same results, really. We're shit all on defense and all right on offense. And could be great on the offense, but we, you know, aren't adjusting to it. So it's like, I don't know, man. Like, play better defense. And I think a lot of things go back to the mean. And, you know, we're not losing to OKC twice. I just want to see different rotations. I just want to just switch it up. Like, if it doesn't work, that's Do you fine, like but- the rotation of... Long rotation for Nurk in the first and third quarter with Dame and uh, Josh. It's different because Nurk was the first one to come out. And I feel like Nurk has had good games outside. Of, I, I know that people think that he has. I don't think Nurk is the problem. No, so, but I think asking. giving Nurk more minutes isn't a bad thing. No. Yeah. And then seeing seeing Jabari at the four and then hopefully Shaden. Like, I'm I'm. More shade and more Jabari and hopefully yep. more Keon is always a good thing in my mind. Let the young let the young guys eat. That that's that should be the philosophy moving forward. Develop the players. You're not winning the title this year. Give the fans something to look forward to. Like because like you said, status quo ain't getting it done. Uh thanks to everyone for, for listening. Uh, hopefully this was a bit of a smoother episode than than last week. Lesson last learned. week was great. I, or two weeks, I, whatever. Like it like I I heard baby once or twice. Like that's oh, pretty I, good. I, I, that's good. I felt like I wasn't even uh, making coherent sentences. So that that's good to. But we were recording. <laughs> we record late. We used to record late. So after a while, I start. I, I just start cursing loudly and loud more loudly. So it's all good. And I mean, it's four eighteen. Like I'm thinking about getting food and <laughs> hate fucking two K some more. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. With that, let's uh, wrap it up. Let our listeners know where they can find us, Sage. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. Everywhere where you get your podcast, we're there. Leave a great uh, – give, give us a five-star rating and a, a nice review, and that helps the algorithm so more people can find us. Um, we are the longest-running Blazers podcast, and honestly, I want to keep that title for for forever. So, you know. Support us, and uh, we will continue talking about this uh, fascinating Blazers team. And maybe, just maybe, I could convince them to talk draft in a few in a few weeks. <laughs> Send me all those right. YouTube clips, and I'll be on it. All right, cool. But yeah, oh, I want to last deck, last thing before we sign off. I'm giving Terrence Shannon Jr. my Desmond Bain stamp of approval that he's going to be the veteran guy that uh, contends on a good team. You heard it uh, first. All right, peace, everybody. We will be back. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.